this week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, week two of the NFL season, do a deeper dive into what the Lions are facing over the next couple of weeks. All right, welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Andrew Loveland, and my co-host here, Jack Crum. We're going to take a look at some of our games of the week from week two of the NFL season. So uh, what stood out to you this week? Well, for me, um, I always got to start out with the Lions. They uh, they didn't play necessarily a complete football game, but Matthew Stafford marched out there, and he did what he does best, and that's get his 28th uh, career comeback. And, uh, you know, they showed it when they needed to. And, uh, you know, you got that touchdown to Kenny Galladay in the end zone. And uh, that was really sweet. Outside of um, my own fandom, we also saw a fantastic uh, Falcons versus Eagles game on Sunday Night Football. Um, you saw Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz really go at it. And that was that was one of the games that really stood out to me, one of the few close ones over the week. Yeah, I thought Carson Wentz played really good at the end. As you're watching it, he's, I mean, he's all over the place, avoiding the rush, but there's nothing you can do about Julio Jones, but he oh, gets nothing. the ball that wide open. I mean, there was all the replay angles and stuff showing, like, Muhammad Sanu was just, he's in the end zone. He was already celebrating as soon as he caught the ball. He makes the block, and that's it. Yeah, it was funny because I saw this thing on ESPN, actually, and it said uh, Julio Jones at his top speed running to the end zone on that screen pass was 20 miles per hour. And that was only to be bested by Odell Beckham Jr.'s slant route that went for uh, 20, I think it was 21 and a half miles per hour. So it's just crazy, these wide receivers in space, man. And, you know, if you're a teammate of those guys, you're on the field, you see them just gone, and you know it's gone too. But, yeah, we live in a uh, electrifying time for wide receivers. It's, it's nuts, man. Yeah, Odell's always been really good at taking the short pass and breaking it for a big one. It was part of what made him so electrifying in New York oh big time and you also saw him uh you know come back as a deep threat and really make uh Greg Williams the Jets defensive coordinator eat his words when he was talking all kinds of smack earlier this week in press conferences saying that you know Odell isn't a dynamic player and you know you know he doesn't see him as a threat and Odell who and you know he goes out there goes for 150 and a touchdown (laughs) so that's Odell who um, I never totally but. get that. Like, why when we, I mean, Jerry Jones did it a couple weeks ago with the Zeke who, like, why is it every single time we want to, like, throw shade at a at a superstar caliber player, we just, like, blank who? Yeah. When in reality, I feel like there's more professional ways we could just answer that exactly. and you wouldn't come off as, like, lunatic. Exactly. And if you're talking about the NFL and someone says, or just in general, and someone says Odell, I'm... Um, you know, 99% of people know what you're talking about, and he, the other 1% think that you're talking about a computer. <laughs> so he might be one of the top five most recognizable faces and names in the NFL. I mean, he's got so much going on outside of it where, it, like, especially, like, he had the trademark hair for ever, like, and now with the watch. Oh, I mean, yeah. Make, I, Odell, who I don't get it. It just it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, he's really become the NFL's, like, premier, like, the guy that they've just advertised on being, like, NFL football. Him, Patrick Mahomes, you're seeing all these, like, guys that are drafted after 2014, which is crazy to me, that are taking that next step up from young players to, like, 
actual professional marketable players for the NFL. And that's just crazy to me seeing, you know, because like Mahomes and Odell, they came out of college and they were both, you know, really slept on. Like they didn't have tremendously great college careers, but now you see them, you know, they're out in the field and they're representing the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, you look at Odell and you don't traditionally think of LSU as a powerhouse offense. I mean, this year, some yeah, things have changed, Joe different. Burrow, but it's crazy to think they had Landry and Odell and their offense was probably like just complete afterthought to their defense at that time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you got those two guys. You also had Jeremy Hill on that team. They still couldn't manage to find a quarterback for that team. I think their quarterback was some dude named Jefferson or whatever. But, um, yeah, their defense just overshadowed their offense so much. And now looking back on it, I mean, you got these two profitable players that both came from that offensive side. Uh, so let's look at some of the other notable things. Obviously, Drew Brees now. We're looking at him out for six weeks. We're looking at Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. out for the season. There's reports coming out of Carolina today that Cam Newton might not start. It's been a tough week um, to be an NFL The Jets have lost two quarterbacks in the last week. Oof. Did you see Trevor Simeon, that highlight of him getting hurt? Yeah. I, oh, ho, ho. he fell right on his ankle as it was bending. It yeah. was It was not a sight for people with weak stomachs like yeah but it, it's been brutal man I mean you're gonna see a lot of backup quarterbacks and it'll be interesting to see who these guys end up signing too yeah I know Kaepernick is a name I mean every time an NFL opening yeah. comes up Kaepernick's name comes up mostly from media not necessarily from the team's yeah. perspective but it sounds like his agent's been reaching out to every single team with a quarterback injury. So we'll see if anything comes out of it. I think now if he can't get a job this season, I can't imagine he would ever like yeah. come full circle on this. But it'd be interesting to see how the NFL would handle something like that where let's say the New York Jets bring him in, even as a backup. Yeah. Let's say he doesn't see the field ever because, I mean, by the time he's a quarterback, by the time he gets up to speed, I mean, we're talking Sam Darnold could yeah. be back. So he could just be the third quarterback on the Jets roster. But the NFL then would, I don't know, they'd have to do maybe some image repair or who knows. But it'd be fascinating. I think out of all those scenarios, I think the Jets would be the one team that could plausibly make a run for him, and it would make the most sense. Because if you look around the NFL, so Cam Newton's out. They have Will Greer, who they drafted very high up in the third round. He had a tremendously good college career. They might want to see what's up with him. You got the Steelers who lost Big Ben, sure, but they have Mason Rudolph. They've been basically you know, grooming behind Big Ben to eventually take that spot. And all things out of Pittsburgh is that they love him. Like He, he played pretty good when he got the chance. I mean, I think that if you're the Jets, you're down to who, who do they have now? They got uh, Luke David Falk. Luke Falk. That's who it is. Yeah. Washington yeah. State. Just Washington like, uh, State, man. Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I just... They're the they're the only team that makes sense for me. I mean, you come he comes in, you're gonna make a lot of people mad, but you're also gonna make a lot of people, you know, pretty happy. And you know that brings viewers. And if you're New York, you're all about the spotlight. I say, why not make a run for him? Yeah, I don't. Would people even still be mad? I mean, we're going on what is this year three of yeah the Kaepernick thing? Like, I feel like the news cycle has kind of ran on that. Yeah, especially if he doesn't even play. Like, there's a chance that. It wouldn't like it'd be a big deal at first. He gets signed, but then I mean, we're week sixteen. Are we 
still going to be talking about, especially if Darnold comes back yeah. and the Jets keep him. Like, it might not even be a story by that point. But all right. So I wanted to take a deep dive into the Lions this week and just kind of look because they're undefeated technically. I mean, they're 1 0 oh, 1. But they're second in the division, but their upcoming schedule It's it's a gauntlet. At Philadelphia week three, home for Kansas City by week, at Green Bay. And that's Monday night football. And Monday night football. And then back home versus Minnesota. And then week eight, you finally get a break with the Giants coming in. Presumably we'll see mm-hmm. Daniel Jones still. Um, so that's you kind of think that's the next game on their schedule where you can almost assuredly say they'll win. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, for now four four weeks or five weeks, four games, it's it's a toss up every week. Oh, what yeah. do you what do you think? Let's start let's look at Philadelphia and kind of what you think that Okay, so Philadelphia is a it's a difficult place to play. I mean, the fans there are just brutal when it comes to football. But I I gotta say I think it's winnable. You look at Atlanta, Atlanta week one just got absolutely beat up by Minnesota. They stole their lunch money. They took everything. And then you basically, you have Atlanta versus Philadelphia this week. And, you know, I mean, Atlanta, or yeah, Atlanta won by four. I just think, I feel like that game is very winnable because I don't trust Carson Wentz's offensive line to protect him enough. And I honestly don't see Philadelphia having the DBs to keep up with you know, a, a fully confident Kenny Galladay. I think it'll be a tough game if we're going to do it, but I feel like it's winnable, you know, very much so. So I think, luckily for the Lions, pretty much all four of these next games are winnable. Yeah. I don't think there's one. I mean, Kansas City is probably the team that you look at and you say it's they're yeah. almost definitely better than the Lions, but it's the NFL. It's winnable. They don't have Hill. Uh, there's no guarantee that every week they're going to be able to put up, you know, 40 points or whatever. So it's especially when you come home field advantage. But, yeah, looking at, you know, Philadelphia, Zach Ertz is a player who, especially when Carson, Carson Wentz has been healthy mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, is just getting targets after targets after targets. And he's got 23 targets so far. I feel like that's kind of low. Like, for what we'd seen traditionally with Ertz and Wentz. So I wonder if, especially with all these receivers dropping off, like, you know, you had Alshon Jeffrey was hurt, uh, Deshaun Jackson missed last week. If we'll see Ertz now become the focal point of that offense and turn more into, like, you know, that Peterson offense where it's, you know, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and now it's third down. Let's get it to Zach Ertz yeah. for three or four yards that to get the first two yeah. tight ends. Yeah, set. it's just ground yeah. and pound. Like, n- you know, not necessarily the over the top, which Carson Wentz can do. And I think the Eagles can do at full health. But I don't know. How do you think like that kind of offense goes up against Detroit? Because I think there's not a lot of players that can guard yeah. Zach Ertz. Although the one positive the Lions do have for this next game is it is you know, on the probable side that Jared Davis is going to be back for that game. And when you look around the league, he's probably one of the better cover linebackers that you have. And the thing with when Davis comes back is that allows the rookie Tavai, who's been having just a stellar year so far, um, it basically allows him to be more of a free blitzer linebacker and not have to worry about these other things. So you got that coming for you. 
And as far as the ground and pound goes, I have a lot of faith in the Lions' defense, especially their defensive front. You got Snacks, Harrison, Mike Daniels, and then you also have Trey Flowers, who started showing some flashes. You can tell he's getting more comfortable with the city, more comfortable with the schemes. So I feel like the ground and pound won't be as much an issue, but I do. I am afraid that of a Zach Ertz taking advantage of a hurt Jared Davis, and I just hope that he's ready for that as well. And then you also look on the offense, Taylor Decker is going to be coming back for the Lions. And he had a very bad week one, but I feel like that can almost be excused by the fact that he didn't play week two because you could tell that something was not right. Like, I don't think that he was ready to play that game. And even if he can't play that game, you look at Tyrell Crosby, who gave up just two hurries against the duo of Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram um, this past week. So I feel like the Lions' offensive line's in good shape, their defensive line's in good shape, and if you have those two things working well, I, I feel like it's, you know, it's a good sign. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does because, you know, last week we saw Kenny Galladay go off. The week before that was TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, we haven't seen, you know, on Johnson had 41 yards last week. I can't think of off the top of my head what he had the week before that. But... Their offense has been good, but I, we haven't seen quite a performance four quarters of a complete, like, on Johnson actually being utilized yeah. in the way that I think he can be, plus Kenny Galladay being a threat and TJ Hawkinson being a threat. So over this next four games, I assume you're going to have to start getting that on a, some kind of role because, you know, when you're especially divisional games, Green Bay, Minnesota, yeah. you're going to need options all over the field because – NFC North is really a 13 to 10 kind of division. Oh, yeah. Like you've got a bunch of solid defenses. I mean, Chicago's a great defense, but you've got to have options all over the field, not necessarily to get 20, 25, 30 points, but just to be able to score so that way you can't be shut out. And the thing that people need to remember is the Lions are still working on their first, what is it? It's six weeks now, if you include the preseason with working with a new offensive coordinator and a whole new scheme compared to what they had last year. So I feel like some of those uh, shortages in carry on Johnson's numbers can be explained as, you know, they don't want to rush him kind of like what they did last year a little bit. I feel like is they started giving him 15 yards or, you know, or 15 carries a game. And I don't think carry on's that high in the back. I don't think that he's a power back, and I feel like if they try to involve him too much in this offense too early on, he's either going to get hurt or the production's going to fall way off. So they're just trying to lean him into it. And then Kenny Galladay, too, he didn't put up that great of numbers in that week one, but then you look to that week two, and he just went off. And that was against Casey Hayward, too, of the, or not San Diego, um, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They'll always be San Diego to me. But he's one of the legit corners in the league. And for me, I feel like that's a good sign moving forward, at least, that this offense is going to get a lot more comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah, I think the only negative you look at is, I mean, LA's done a good job so far in kind of covering for these Mm -hmm. injury holes that they've had all over the place. But, I mean, with James out on their defense, I think Detroit should have been able to, you know, attack the middle of the field more, run more. I mean, he's probably the most versatile defender in the league right now but with him out I don't feel like the Lions attacked it enough but yeah well moving forward it's it's week two 
There's, oh, yeah. There's a lot more. Plenty of room for improvement. You're looking all over the league. I can think of New England as a team that appears to have no weaknesses right now. But as far as the rest of the league, you're looking at teams going, mm-hmm. they need to address this or it's not going to be good. And that's what the good football teams do. And that's the ones that you see in January is they fix those weaknesses as they go along. Because there's not going to be a flawless team like New England every single year. Like it's just not going to happen. No, and I think even New England, at some point, we're going to see a flaw. I mean, they don't, they've never used running backs traditionally. So, I mean, maybe Corey Dillon back yeah. in the day, but. <laughs> so oh, that's it's an old name. <laughs> yeah, so it's not something where, you know, Sony Michelle isn't going to rush for a thousand yards this year, but they don't always get that rushing production from their backs, and they use, the, you know, the short passing mm-hmm. game a lot. But that's an area where maybe teams can kind of figure out how to force them into that role and I don't know we'll see if they one of their back steps up as a traditional kind of runner you know I mean Burkhead's there yeah so he's he's usually what they use for that situation but uh looking around that division I mean you look at it Green Bay I still don't quite know what that offense is or is not it seems like they don't entirely know I mean 21-16 it's a good win for them but it started out like, I mean, you're watching, uh, gosh, I forget what game I was watching at the start of that, but you're looking at the box score and Aaron Rodgers just posting numbers, <laughs> and you're like, this feels like an Aaron Rodgers type of game oh, where yeah. you look at it at the end and you're just like, yikes, he eviscerated <laughs> one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, no, Aaron Rodgers is a, is a scary, scary guy. I mean, still now, like, He's the guy that I see in my nightmares. Like, but I mean, you look at over the course of the first two weeks. I mean, I saw this thing on Twitter the other day. It was uh, the NFC uh, North quarterbacks after week two. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's 40 of 64. He's posting a 62.5 uh, completion percentage, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's he has a 96.6 QBR. And Matthew Stafford has bested that. I mean, he's he's got five touchdowns. He does have those two picks from yesterday, which one of them was basically a punt, so I'll give him a, a mulligan on that one. And he has a 102.6 QBR, and he's also completing 65% of his passes. And Cousins is two touchdowns, two interceptions, not anywhere near the QBR or the completion percentage. And then you got Mitch Trubisky, who is 58% completion percentage, 340 yards, uh, zero touchdowns and one interception, and a 65 QBR. So you, I mean, obviously it's early, right? We said this, but so far there's no denying that Matthew Stafford has been the best and most complete NFC North quarterback so far of this season. Yeah, and I think um, with Stafford, you know, even as someone who's not a Lions fan, I don't imagine that many people around the league aren't rooting for this guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just generally seems like a good dude and yeah. somebody who I think, especially after all the stuff he went through last season, where if he had a season where he did lead the league in some of those oh, categories awesome. and got some of the critics to, you know, some of the monkey off his back, and yeah. you know, get the lines in the playoffs, I think there's no one who would be, like, anti-Stafford. I mean, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe some of the NFC North fans and stuff like that. But I think... You hope he has a good season. Um, can he keep it up all year? I don't know. We'll see. Traditionally, yeah. the Lions, the last 
decade or so with Stafford. Out, yeah. yeah, they fizzle out or they start slow. It's mm-hmm. one of, it's been one of the two. I mean, we've seen it even this season where, you know, game one, three quarters of amazing football. Fourth quarter they fell. Fourth asleep, quarter in yeah. overtime, not as great. Uh as far as Trubisky goes though, last year I feel like you could you were buying Trubisky stock. You're you're stocking up. <laughs> this year it's just a fire sale. Like I thought he would be much more improved this year. I thought he could take a step forward. And yeah. with that, you know, I mean, Chicago's looking at it thinking our kicker is the biggest problem this season. And now it's just Mr. Trubisky doesn't have a touchdown pass. We're entering week three. I mean, and I think that they were kind of banking on the whole idea that the defense would carry him. But the defense is, don't get me wrong, it's still great, right? They still feel a neck, but it just isn't going to be what it was last year when you had Vic Vangio and you had well, that kind of system going on. And it you was just can't just, get that many turnovers. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. I think they're still probably the number one defense in oh, the league. Easily. But it, turnovers aren't going to fall your way. And in order for a defense to carry an offense, especially to like the Super Bowl, you have to have a historically good defense. The 85 Bears, for an example. Yeah, the Legion 2000 Ravens. The Legion of Boom. You have to have that good of a defense. And that's just, I look at Chicago and I just don't see it. I yeah. don't see it from just comparing it to historical value. Yeah, I don't. Super Bowl, I don't know if they can carry. I think the Bears defense will see how it plays out over the season, but I think they could carry him to the playoffs, you yeah. know, wild card or win the NFC North. But the problem is, is now we're looking at, I mean, the Rams still have a really good defense too. Aaron Donald mm-hmm. still exists. You know, Marcus Peters, they started playing more zone in the last, you know, half of the season, which I think Peters is, excels at. So they have an good offense too and mm-hmm. offense in case you've heard Todd Gurley he's pretty good at running the ball when he's healthy so I think you look at the Bears and you say like they've got a good defense but if Trubisky doesn't figure this out if they don't start figuring out what they're going to do with these this three-headed monster they think they have a running back then they you're going to get to the playoffs yeah. and you I mean we don't know what New Orleans is going to be yet but New Orleans with a healthy breeze He's always in the mix. You've got mm-hmm. St. Louis. You've got a Dallas team that looks very good. Dallas looks it's very just, good, yeah. It's going to be tough. And then if you start getting, you know, if the Lions meet expectations or any, if the Vikings, if the Packers, any yeah. of these teams are in the hunt for the playoffs, if they show up, I don't. yeah, it's going to be tough for the Bears with no quarterback play. And last year they kind of got, I don't want to say like off the hook, but a little bit they got kind of an advantage because the NFC North last year, I mean, it was just – it was kind of just a garbage pile. Like, everyone was kind of panicking. The Lions were under first-year head coach, and everything was going south for them. Minnesota was basically limited by Kirk Cousins, and Green Bay had another off year. So they took advantage of that division, which is good for them. And then they got to the playoffs, and they should have won that playoff game, if we're being completely honest, against Nick Foles and the Eagles, if uh, the double doink didn't happen. Um but, yeah, I mean, I, I think they could easily carry him into the playoffs. But like you said, I just don't see them matching up against some of these teams this year. There's just the NFC is different than it was last year. Yeah, it's it's different. You've got some players like Amari who's now we're in year two of him in Dallas. So I think we're seeing some of that. I mean, we'll see if Dak is another one. Can he keep this up for 16-plus yeah. games? Kellen Moore, we'll see if he yeah. is as advertised I mean, continuing. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd heard um, on a couple of different like ESPN 
type things last year that a lot of people were high on Kellen Moore, not mm-hmm. just in Dallas, but around the league as a he'll future be, yeah. OC head coach type candidate. So he'll be one to watch going forward where in a couple of years we might hear his name yeah. come up for one of the coaching positions. So speaking of coaching positions, mm-hmm. let's we're in Matt Patricia's second year. Oh, yeah. What's what's something what are your expectations, I guess, as a fan, where it's like if this is the Lions regular season record What's what's the success there? So la- or his Jim Caldwell's last year as head coach in Detroit, he went nine and seven, and Bob Quinn, who's the general manager, stood up in front of the team and the season ticket holders and the owner and said, nine and seven is not good enough. It's not what we have as an expectation for this team." And then he hired Matt Patricia, which a lot of people loved. You know, he's coming from the Patriots. Patriots coaches don't have the greatest track record, but maybe this one can be different. And his first year, he went 6-10. and 10. And there was a lot of people that were just, you know, very, very angry and frustrated. The second year, and I thought they had an awesome offseason this past year, just as, as far as picking up people that fit the scheme. The first year of him coaching, I could see why it didn't exactly work out. He, had, he inherited Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator, an all-time great name, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, Eas- yeah, like, easily. Yeah, he's, he's Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame in the sports names book. But, yeah, he was horrible as an offensive coordinator. So he inherited that mess, and then as far as the defense go, he didn't really have a great scheme, and then he started getting scheme fits. You saw last year before the trade deadline, they got Snacks Harrison. Perfect, right in the middle, Vince Wilfork type of Patriots-esque player to stick right in the middle. And this past offseason, you saw them get Mike Daniels, Trey For- Flowers, Jelani Tavai. I mean, Rashawn Melvin. You saw them get pieces that fit the scheme. So as far as this year goes, expectations, I think that 9 or 7 or better, you know, 9 or 10 wins, I think that is or should be what is expected. Yeah, I think the lines are fascinating for a variety of reasons. I mean, the- might be one of the hardest divisions in football. You've got four talented teams, um, kind of all four still searching for some kind of identity, yeah. especially on the offensive side. Where when you look at Minnesota, you've got Dalvin Cook, you've got Stephon Diggs, you've got Adam Thielen, and what exactly do you have with Kirk Cousins? I mean, Michigan native, so yeah. I guess we can't destroy him, but. Sometimes I feel like he lacks pocket presence. Like, he's always just getting hit from behind fumbling. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Bears, we've touched on that. The Packers, it, not sure if Aaron Rodgers and Mike LaFleur, a Mount Pleasant native. Group. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not sure if he if they're on the same terms yet. We'll see. Like, seemed rocky. I feel like eventually it'll work out for them this yeah. season. I mean, Rodgers kind of needs it to in some way because if you burn a second head coach in a handful mm-hmm. of years, then the camera kind of gets pointed at you. But the Lions are just interesting because if they fin- if somebody told me came back from the future told me the Lions finished six and ten, I would believe them. But the same could be said with every number up to like ten and six. Oh, like yeah. six and ten to ten and six, it's just like that's believable. Or ten five and one. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> at this point it's ten five and one. I'd... Yeah, I mean, they could really go anything this season. It wouldn't surprise me just because. I am a Lions fan, and I've seen every single possibility from 0-16 to the miracles of 11-5. and But, I mean, as far as the division goes, 
the NFC North is the only division in football that I see at least, or one of the few ones that doesn't have a team in a full rebuild mode. Every single team in the North right now is looking to win. And that kind of changes it. If you look at the East or the NFC East, you got kind of Washington who can't decide if they're rebuilding or building up. I think they're more on the rebuilding side. And then you've also got um, the Giants who are in or have been in a full just garbage tank. I mean, and you you look around the rest of the league, and I think that that could be said for most teams. The West, you have Arizona, who's still very much rebuilding, trying to get guys for Cliff Kingsbury's scheme. And then you come back to the North, every single team in here wants to win and is expected to win. The clock is ticking on Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn's time, so they can't exactly go and start picking top five. The Bears, same thing with them. They, you know, they gave up a lot for Khalil Mack. They gave up a lot to stack up that defense. And then Green Bay, they have Aaron Rodgers. He is, he's closing in on, I think he's what, 35, 36, something like that. But um, I mean, the clock's definitely ticking on his career as well. And then Minnesota as well. They paid Kirk Cousins big time money to come to Minnesota and bring them a championship. And when each team is contending like that and has that mindset, it makes a huge difference, especially when they're playing, that there's no easy games in division. Yeah, I think it it is interesting. I think the AFC South is close to that where I don't know if Jacksonville is actually contending, but I think a lot of people in their building think they are. Yeah. I mean, we'll see that they well, might they trade. Off, if they yeah. trade Jalen Ramsey, I think in their mind they might be trading like a problem child i mean he's similar to the way the giants looked at odell but he's also probably the best at a position that there's not a lot of people doing what he's doing so i think they're underestimating exactly what that means to their defense Mm -hmm. and what that means to their like postseason chances but yeah the the north's a tough division to win and i just i think less than 500 especially six and ten any worse than six and ten, I think Matt Patricia's walking back to New England. I think I think both of them are. Frankly, but, I think if Bob Quinn goes that record too, I think Martha is gonna bring in the axe and put him on the chopping block. But that's gonna be difficult too because they're in no position to go into a rebuild. Like no position. They just paid a lot of money this offseason to bring in guys that fit his scheme. So yeah. it's kind of the Lions. I mean they're kind of in no position to lose. And I know that, that sounds kind of like, you know, no teams in position to lose. But the Lions especially, man, they've pumped in a ton of resources into this Patriots model type thing. And if it goes belly up, they're going to be rebuilding for the next five to ten years. Yeah, and, like, we'll see, like, what Trey Flowers can yeah. do. I mean, they gave him that contract. Historically, there's the mindset that if, New England and Bill Belichick are not going to pay you. That yeah. there's a reason and there's underlying. I mean, he's only 26, so there's still, still, like a lot left. Oh, yeah. So, if he, if he turns it around, I think you you've got a defensive line that is really good. And you saw him pick it up a little bit last week. He was very quiet against Arizona, um, most because he was chasing Kyler Murray all over the field. Um, but this last week, you saw him get into the action. I saw him on a couple big stops, uh, stopping Eckler in the backfield, pressuring Rivers. So I'm hoping that will continue as he gets more comfortable. But um, 
Yeah, if Trey Flowers is kind of a bust as a signing, I think that that's going to have a huge implication on Detroit for the next, you know, I think he's under contract for the next five years. That's going to be a lot of dead money. Yeah, I'd, I don't know what they'll do, and especially because if, <laughs> if he's a total bust, it's not going to be Matt Patricia cleaning up the mess. It'll be, you know, whoever it is. Kellen Moore. Yeah, it'll be. <laughs> so uh, looking at, the, I feel like this is kind of a, divisive issue from this past week where some people feel like Darius Slay was kind of getting picked apart by Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers. Others want to argue that, I mean, he made the interception at the end. That's all that matters. Where where do you stand on Slay's performance against the Los Angeles Chargers? <laughs> Los Angeles, okay. Um, so Darius Slay, there's no doubt about it that he got picked apart that game. Like that was one of the few games that I've seen him get absolutely demolished since 2013 when I saw the Cowboys come to Ford Field and Des Bryant caught two big touchdowns over him. Kelvin still got 329 that game though. But um, yeah, he got he got picked apart big time. And the same thing kind of goes with Stafford where he he didn't play horribly bad, but he didn't play up to his standards. I mean, and those are two big team leaders. But the thing about Slay is that he showed up when it mattered. I mean, if, if Keenan Allen would have mossed him on that last throw, that would have just been an all-time horrible game. But he totally redeemed himself in the end with that game, you know, game-saving pick. And, you know, every DB is going to have those days. Just like Matt Prater yesterday who missed an extra point of field goal, each one of these position groups are going to have their bad days. But if you can come back and, you know and finish strong, I feel like that's a good thing moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at that play, there's a safety over the top of Keenan Allen, so I don't necessarily know why Rivers thought he was going to, Yeah. at that point in the game, that throw doesn't need to happen. He's a vet, too. He should he yeah. have known better. Um, I mean, good job on Slay for just making the play. Mm-hmm. Just not. Big play Slay. Yeah, just not messing it up. That's pretty much what he had to cut it right and move on but yeah Prater was I mean Prater I, I had Prater on my bad. fantasy team yeah, he was yeah neg- I did negative too. one points for me yes so yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was disappointing to say the least because I didn't have Prater mm-hmm. bought the week one. Oh, you're I one of those guys that cut Vinatieri no I had a oh. uh, gosh I had the Browns kicker because oh. I thought they'd come out strong yeah um and I'm just I was a homer in my fantasy <laughs> I'll say it but um, so I just I had him because I thought yeah. like he's consistently pretty good and he just get negative one and it was it was atrocious for me. But uh, let's continue in the cornerback trend. We'll continue with the Jalen Ramsey. Reports are he wants out. Um, I saw a USA Today article that listed five teams: Kansas City, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Green Bay, and New England. What do you think of that five, and who would you add? So right off the bat, I would add Tennessee as a possible as a possibility for Jalen Ramsey land. They have the money. He kind of fits that Vrabel Patriot kind of scheme. Um, you know, in the in the three four defense, we're in the man to man. And then I also, God, I hate to say this, but I feel like I feel like if he went to the Patriots, like it could be plausible that it could happen. I don't think it will because I don't think Bill Belichick would add two, like, and I'm doing air quotes here, divas onto his team in the span of a week. 
but I could easily see how that would happen. Um, the Packers, I don't think the Packers would do that because, bottom line, the Packers have been spineless for the last 15 years of Aaron Rodgers' career when it comes to adding people. You know, one of their biggest names that they've added the last couple of years has been Jimmy Graham, who has been five years past his prime. So I don't see the the Packers going out there and getting him because it would only make too much sense for them to. So they won't. Um, also, I have to impl- I have to include this a little bit. Is I feel like he would fit the Lions scheme, and the Lions could pay for him and trade for him. Do I think they will? No, there's no way the Lions would do it. I would love it if they did because the pairing of Ramsey and Slay gets my you know it's I get goosebumps from it just thinking about the possibilities of that. But I don't think Detroit would. Um, for the same reason, kind of why um, Green Bay won't, just because it would make a little too much sense. And then as far as the other teams go, Philadelphia, their cap numbers are kind of in the toilet right now. So I don't know if if they would want to spend their last dime on I mean, Jalen Ramsey. But Ramsey's a really small cap hit for what you're getting. Oh yeah, it's like he's getting paid next year though. I think. So do see. you want to do you want to risk a? Do you want to risk a long-term contract or, you know, are you basically renting him for 14 games? Yeah, let's see. So, yeah, so next year he's at, looks like 13 million is what they have him at. And then 2021 he would be a free agent. So you'd have him the rest of this season and then all of next year. And that last year of the contract hit, but I don't know, man. I don't know if the Eagles. So it wouldn't be a fourteen-game rental. It'd be more like a like a like a thirty games plus, assuming you're a contender. So we'll see about them. I I could see it, but at the same time, I wouldn't expect it. I mean, if I was going to put money down, I'd say Kansas City. Their defense has really struggled. They're better this year than they have been in Mm -hmm. the last year. But adding Jalen Ramsey would do a lot for that defense. And I I mean, I don't know if he completely transforms the defense from inept to suddenly, you know, amazing, top five or anything. But it certainly gives them the chance. And, I mean, that quarterback, that (laughs) offensive system, with any kind of top 20 defense – might be unbeatable even for a New England team that seemingly has everything. And yeah, you look at I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that a little bit. Is um, the K- Kansas City's biggest threat in the AFC is by far the Patriots. They're the team that they're gonna have to go through eventually to get to the Super Bowl. So who did New England just add the other week? They added the best, or arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. All that other stuff aside, he still is just enormously talented. So if you're Kansas City and you're looking at this situation, you need to add someone that can run with him. Otherwise, you're going to get dusted kind of like what you did last year in the AFC Championship game where Tom Brady basically completed every single pass that he threw. So I feel like if you're Kansas City where you know the clock's ticking on a Patrick Mahomes rookie contract where he is going to he might be the first quarterback to rake in like 40 million and this is basing and assuming that Dak takes the 35 like you need to basically do everything in your power right now to find a way to win a Super Bowl within these next couple years of Patrick Mahomes rookie deal otherwise you are going to be you know absolutely just 
it's going to be done for you. It's going to be game over. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Mahomes' contract extension is coming sooner than later. Oh, yeah. Because well, they the, want to get it done, but the, I wouldn't be surprised if he held out and was the, like, yeah. no, I'll just I'll wait it out. Yeah, because the sooner he gets it done, like, you know, it might be 40 or 45 or whatever per year, mm-hmm. which it's a big cap number, and it'll continue to be a pretty large cap number, but the cap always rises in a couple of years. Like, somebody else who's not nearly as good as Mahomes will be getting, like, $55, $60 million a year. <sighs> NFL owners, yeah, they just cannot they, they cannot help themselves. I feel like what's eventually going to end up happening is they're just going to not pay these guys, and they're just going to be like, you can walk if you want to, and they'll be like kind of like, no. it's, it's, it's extremely like illegal, but like I feel like they'll all be kind of like winking, kind of like what the MLB did. You remember that whole thing um, last year or two years ago when no one signed J.D. Well, Martinez? Yeah, I mean, it's been like training. the last couple of yeah. – off seasons where you just have major There's just been no movement. I mean, even like Craig Kimbrell and mm-hmm. some of those other pitchers and stuff didn't get signed until the season started after. Yeah. I mean, May so, and June. Yeah. Either the contracts are gonna have to come down, which I don't think they will, or you know, these you're gonna see a lot less of these big deals coming and more of people stepping back away from these deals. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think the difference is, though, with man. baseball is, you know, you look at Mike Trout. Yeah. He's been the number one player in the league now for a while. Mm-hmm. The Angels have not been anywhere close to a playoff team for most of that time. And then you look at the NFL. If you've got Patrick Mahomes, you, you're in good hands. You're always going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot. So I think if you're an NFL owner and you're Kansas City you can make a wink wink deal mm-hmm. with Jerry Jones, but if Jerry Jones or, you know, Robert Kraft or yeah, anybody Robert else Kraft gets the opportunity, <laughs> they're they'll give Patrick Mahomes a blank check oh, and just yeah. tell him to write the number himself. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think you ever see a situation like that. I mean yeah. we even uh they tried it with Zeke just this year to try it and say like anywhere, and it didn't yeah. go anywhere because he's just so vital to that offense. Too, last year. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, you'll see a lot of players starting to hold out too, especially as these owners try to blink. But yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's it's going to be a crazy next couple of years. And as a Lions fan, it just makes me happy that the Lions got Matthew Stafford for twenty five a year when they did because that doesn't even crack the top seven now. No, and it's going to continue to fall. So yeah, I mean, we'll and we'll see. Like, I think it's just hard in the NFL. You know, a lot of people were saying that Rams could trade Jared Goff for any other quarterback on a and get a or get a quarterback on a rookie deal and it'd be fine. Yeah, but they obviously didn't think that. They yeah, locked they like him up a lot more than I do. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know where these numbers will go, but Patrick Mahomes is going to be he's going to record breaking. Oh yeah, and it, Dak will sign very. You know. Within the next week, I would think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see where Dak ends up, but whatever Dak does is going to be the absolute floor for Mahomes' deal. Oh, especially, I mean, this year I didn't think fifty touchdowns was going to be a repeat performance. Mm -hmm. After two games, we're kind of like, is fifty? Yeah, like make it fifty-five. Is fifty the minimum? Yeah, like the guy kind of seems incapable of not throwing multiple touchdowns a game. I mean, that's. Might be the best second quarter of football I've ever seen. Oh my god! He, he threw like what two hundred two hundred plus yards. Yeah, yeah. it was second quarter alone. Yeah. So I, 
Yeah. I mean, it's, that's just preposterous. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid forever. Yeah, no, he he's the future of the NFL, man. Assuming he can stay healthy and not fall victim yeah. to what, you know, which I assume he's not going to get mono from Sam Darnold or yeah, any of that other stuff. But if he can stay healthy and keep that bazooka yeah. attached to his to his you know chest, he's he's in for a lot of money and a lot of years and a big future in the NFL. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on what happens with Jalen Ramsey and all that stuff. Um, like I said, my betting money would be on Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like always happens. It seems like in the NFL, there's teams that should do it. And then there's there's just team, and then there's random, one or yeah. two random teams that come out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'll be the Dolphins. Oh man, <laughs> can you imagine? Tank, tank, tank. Oh, but we got the opportunity <laughs> to get Jalen Ramsey. But I'm hoping the one random team's the Lions. It won't be, but one can hope. <laughs> So I think that's all we've got for today on Unsportsmanlike. Join us next week, and we'll continue to break down what we see in the football world.